two daughters and a son. I have a daughter and two sons. Daughter and two sons. Yeah. I did this with the Chad Greenway podcast too, and a bunch of other podcasts where I assume oh, he's got I like eight kids. Yeah, yeah. I I think I botched the Chad Greenway research worse than anybody. What did I say? Was I was like, oh, so you're from Iowa? <laughs> you're, you're from Iowa, and you played uh, twelve years, and I think it was he's from South Dakota. He played thirteen years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did tough. he get? Did he get thirteen in? I, he, Apparently, I think he's, <laughs> I think he's tried to. He, I think he tried to one up you. One up me? He got me by three years. Then I thought he had me by like a year. No, intern saying no. I was just looking at Andrew. Just getting more, <laughs> more air. Because he got it wrong again. Assuming again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our fact checker sometimes sleeps on the job. Are we actually yeah. recording right now? Uh, yeah. We usually wait I for Ty to give yeah, us a Ty, are we we've live? Not, we've been live. Okay, so yeah, we, we're live. Is this how you guys start your podcast? Just just start ripping? Yeah. Just start going? Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Yeah, we usually no. have like a conversation for seven minutes and then like roughly. And then like I'll edit out like the first two and a half right where you start to feel like the... The, the whole party is like comfortable yeah oh i like that so yeah. we, we we can start with this question uh do you rake the leaves at home no yeah no uh, see I've, I've been a home renter for like four five years now i've never raked once and not no. not wanting to either you know i don't mind it but i have i, I take the convenient excuse of well I, i'm too busy during the fall and then I, so it's like, I, I service it out. I get the lawn mowed. They do like a whole fall cleanup. They do all the leaves. They get the gutters and they do all that other, all the other BS that I don't want to do. Um, and so I do pay for it. So then when it comes spring, oh. when I actually have time, I'm like, God, I'm just kind of too lazy to cancel the service. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I just like, then I have to go get a lawn mower and then I want to like, store the lawn mower. And so like, I just pay for the lawn service. That's good. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't say we uh, we just don't do anything really for our house. No no maintenance. I can tell. Around. Uh, I can tell. Yeah. The, inside, <laughs> the inside of the house we sweep uh, after every party, so we usually yeah. throw two parties. It's a it's a biannual event, and that's when we sweep the floor and mop it and everything. So it's like a we full, do a couple house chores. Yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 a pretty. So then, how does it get divvied up between the five of you? Um, I we always kind of put it this way. It's like if you see something, just, just take care of it. Right. That's a good motto. Like. If the if the the countertops are dirty, wipe them down. Yes, but there's varying degrees of dirty. Exactly, right. and that's yeah. when that's you start, the problem. And then you just start yelling at each other, and that's when it gets fun. Yeah, five dudes just like, hey, pick up your shit, and then it's just the other person feels like you're attacking them, and then they they tell you you didn't take out your laundry accordingly, and then right. it's just feeding off each other, and then yeah. it gets fun. So yeah. you basically are just married to each other because that's all marriage is, mm-hmm. really. Because I. I I think I do a pretty good job of like cleaning up the house and picking things up, right? And my wife will be like, you know, I've watched you for two days walk uh, walk past that, and I'm like, I, it seemed fine. She's like, you didn't see that dog hair in the corner of the room, I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> She's like, that's the shit I'm talking about. Like, if, if, you're just gonna wait for me to do. It. I'm like, I'm not waiting for you to do it. I just didn't see the the little small amount of dog hair that's in the corner of the room. She's like, it doesn't take anything just to grab the the Swiffer or the what do we have the the Dyson the little cordless Dyson. Oh, just yeah. grab the Dyson and just sweep it up, just yeah. vacuum it up. I'm like, I, I, but I didn't see it. Mm. See, there's varying degrees of cleanliness. Right. I think I'm pretty clean and organized, but. You just got to get robots on it. Just buy a Roomba and just have them circle. We had a Roomba. I think they suck. Okay, we don't. We don't. We want one because yeah, I wouldn't get one. Okay, I wouldn't get one. Wow, and that's and that's. I think we just ended a Roomba. Yeah, we just like that. We ended Roomba. Power of this podcast. Unless you're, (laughs) I don't know. 
I don't trust that the thing is going to get the whole room. Right. We don't trust robots yet. I think no. give us like honestly give us 7 more years and I think I'll be like, "Oh yeah, the room is going, it's fine, you know, doing its thing." Yeah. How do you delegate uh chores to your kids though? Um repeatedly <laughs> over and over again <laughs> with the iron fist. Of course with the iron fist. Absolutely. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um you know, we're we're not the hardest parents when it comes to making them do a lot of chores. I mean, they have to pick up their room and they have to open their blinds in the morning and do all that stuff and get all the stuff off the floor. And they have to er- open certain blinds around the house in the morning and stuff like that. Because So basically, our routine is at night, the main blinds in the house go down because... You know, we just don't want strangers and stuff walking by our sidewalk and just looking in our house. So we like close the main blinds, both the front and the back of the house. And then in the morning, we like a lot of light in the house. So we open everything up. So like that's kind of their job. But getting those little assholes to do it all the time. I mean, it's it's like you can't it, it, you're like you're, you're going to waste more time and energy to get them to do it and then get in a bad mood. You, then you might as well just do it yourself. And that's probably mm. what every parent goes through with every little thing that you want your kids to do. It's like, is it really worth the fight? Is it really worth the blood pressure going up right now? Because I'm feeling pretty good. I got a nice big cup of coffee in me. I'm feeling good. Like, nothing's going to ruin my day. Do I really want to fight with my kid about picking that toy up? When I should probably just do it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that's, that. you know, that's that's the world we live in. That's a good mindset to have. That's good positive morale to start the day. And uh-huh. I think it's okay to call your kids assholes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And yeah. No. No problems with yeah. that. Yeah. Because they just do. They are like they. Yeah. They are little. They are little people. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not kids. They're little people. And just like people can be assholes, and kids can be assholes too. Yes. Absolutely. I think. Uh, I think that's a little Keep wake up mind. call for the, for them as well. You know, that puts them in their place. Well, I don't call them assholes. Oh. I'm, just saying, I'm, oh. I'm, yeah. I'm oh. just saying. I'm just saying that you can refer to your kids as assholes. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good clarification. Because I was thinking you were like waking up in the morning, like, "Hey, asshole, make your bed." And that, <laughs> Close the blinds, no, asshole. Not, not. <laughs> no, I no, I I don't go that far. Okay, I'm not no, that, no, we're no. not that liberal with our language in the house. Okay. But I but it. I think when we're talking amongst amongst guys, right? Yeah, yeah guys, 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 because there's. Nobody that's going to judge me that listens to this, right? Correct. No. Well, Correct. no one's actually no listening either. Yeah. That's a good bottle to have. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing to always keep in mind. Nobody really is listening and nobody cares. Exactly. <laughs> um, but exactly it. Exactly it. We love to tackle this podcast from a, from a story aspect, the journey of Ben Lieber. Okay. And um, for all of our marketing interns, we can, we're going to break down your story. And okay. I would love to start when you're in high school in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And you were a three sport athlete up until your senior year when you stopped running track. I'm curious why you stopped and like no longer wanted to pursue the the sprint mentality. Um, because I because the the girls and the other teams were not as attractive to me as anymore, and they weren't as fun to look at. Little love lost. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that's most of the reason why guys go out for track is to check out the girls on the other high school teams. Mm. And I'd kind of already been there, done that. Not to say that I dated them, but I'm like, well, seeing her in her track outfit, fine. That's good. And the other thing is track workouts suck. They're hard. It's just running. It's just running. Shin splints, like right off the back. Shin splints. Running on the gym to start the year. And then, you know, interval yeah. workouts. Like, I don't need to do like 200 repeats or like 400s. Like, no. For what? I'm not running track in college. Yeah. It's my senior year. 
I love that. Man. Yeah. Tell Last me. semester, I was. I mean, f- coming from a uh, three sport athlete here, I was just <laughs> like, you know, why not finish it out? You had one one sport left after doing football and basketball. You had one left, and then you're just like, all right, I I just wanted to think about my prom my senior year. Um, no, in, in all honesty, guys, I'm just kind of giving you a bunch of bullshit. Um, in all honesty, I, I thought I, at that point in time, I had taken, I accepted and signed my scholarship to Kansas state, uh, on national sign day in February. Nice. And, and I thought, well, I need to do more football specific training. At least that's what I thought. And so at, at uh, I think it was called like McKinnon hospital up in Sioux falls. They had, um, they had like this acceleration program is what they called it. And so it, it just it focused on, you know, weights and more intensive training. Uh, I did speed work on a treadmill and and my linebacker coach at K-State said, I won't take a linebacker that can't bench 300 pounds when he comes in. And so like, you know, I, I think I, I think when I started the acceleration program, I was like a 250 bencher, you know, so I had to like make up a lot of ground. So I put all my, most of my energy and effort into driving up to Sioux Falls three days a week and, uh, and doing that workout as opposed to going track practice. That's wow. so, that tracks. Okay. Out. That's, that's a yeah. good excuse. That's a better, that's probably that's a better really reason. good. Yeah. So I was, like the other two better. But, it works. It works. Yeah. It's all part of the story. Yeah. yeah. So, and then going from there, like, I mean the whole recruiting process. So like Andrew and I mm-hmm. went through that ourselves as, you know, we're much less athletes, you know, being recruited at D3, uh, schools, but you know, now we're D one athletes, which is yeah, nice. You guys are D one athletes. We're D one athletes now, yeah. which is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, but Re- retroactive, right. Kind yeah. of. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's what, it, uh, what, what we were saying. What's the word we use? Quasi. We're quasi D one okay. athletes or D one ish. D one ish. I like that. Yeah. No, that's okay. good. That'll work. Yeah. Either, either way. Okay, sort of D one. Yeah. yeah. Sort of D one, but, uh, Bill Schneider, I mean, legend. Yeah. How was, uh, getting recruited by him? Uh, the whole process was pretty surreal. It really was because I didn't really, I didn't, uh, he didn't know anything about the recruiting process, the quote unquote process. Um, Wait, I had Bill a little, didn't or you didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Bill, I think Bill kind of knew. Yeah. Bill <laughs> had an idea, right? He had an idea of how the recruiting process worked. I didn't know how the recruiting process worked. Ten four. Um, my oldest brother had gotten recruited as a running back. Uh, he was a uh, high school American running back. And so he got all, a bunch of letters and got courted and did all, all that stuff. My parents didn't know. So that was sort of like the dry run. And, and, you know, I don't think they really made mistakes, but I think we learned just kind of how unloyal it, the scholarship offers can be and how unloyal the interest can be. And, and maybe what you should be doing to put yourself out there as opposed to just sitting back in, in a small town of Vermillion and having, and thinking that people are just going to find you. Um, so I had gotten all the letters, like all the, all the kind of the, the athletes, um, were getting and I, you, 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 you like it. Like you kind of like run to the mailbox and like, I was getting letters from like UCLA and I was getting letters from like Ivy league schools. And so it's like across the country, but they're just letters, you know, you don't really know how serious they are. And then, um, and then I answered, well, then, then I started getting camp letters, like to come to like their, their spring camp in June. And I really want to go to Colorado, like you know, Colorado. Go Buffs. Colorado was the bomb, yeah. right? Like I'm that, from Denver. Are you really? Yeah. So that was like the Bryant Westbrook, and that was the the Cordell Stewart era, oh, and that yeah. was the catch against Michigan, and mm-hmm. the fifth down. Yeah. So, kick ass crop top, you know, jerseys. We got Ralphie the Buffalo, the black, and the you know everything looked sweet. Yeah. And then, so then my brother ended up playing for University of South Dakota, right in my hometown of Vermilion. So. 
my junior year, we took a trip out to Greeley where they played Northern Colorado. And that's my first time. So my parents took me through Boulder and I'm like, this is it. Like, this is where I want to go. This is me like mountains, beautiful air, like the the college, everything, like everything. I'm like, this is where I want to go. Well, my parents said, well, we can't really afford to send you to Colorado's camp, their spring camp. So it was like down between K-State and something else. So I'm like, well, I'll just go to K-State. So a buddy of mine and I went to K-State's camp, um, did well enough to where I had to sit down with Coach Snyder there. They wanted to meet me, talk to me a little bit more. And then about three weeks later, they sent a letter offering a full ride scholarship. And so at that point in time, it was just like, all right, this is my goal. I want to be a D1 athlete, much like you guys were. And um, and so I just accepted. Like I didn't. I didn't want to go through my brother's recruiting process because he was getting courted by Iowa and he thought he was going to go to Iowa and they legit pulled the scholarship the day before signing day. Oh, oh man. So it's like, I'm not going through that BS. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to accept said scholarship. I know nothing about K-State. I know nothing about Bill Snyder. I know nothing about Manhattan, Kansas, but I had a good time down there. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't Colorado, but it, it's just one of those things where this life sort of works out, you know, you just kind of make the best of the situation and you have fun with it. And I, you know, would, wouldn't change it for the world, but it was kind of my second choice. Dang, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I kind of, I really wanted to go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 17, 18 years old at that point, And it's so hard to figure that stuff out. I can't be, like looking back on it. That was one of the hardest, but like simplest decisions you make. It's so impactful for your future yet you just make it off kind of like oh yeah like st thomas near a city i want to play football and i want to get away from i'm from chicago i want to get like be close to home but not uh be put it also like six hours away st thomas perfect let's just do it and then i mean i'm not so you wanted to go away from home too yes yeah i mean that was the other thing for me is and i kind of feel bad when i said that i said that publicly (laughs) uh excuse me I think it was the first time my parents, I was doing a speech or something like that. And my parents were in the audience and I mentioned, somebody asked me a question about, you know, kind of like why K-State or like, did you ever, did you, was there ever a thought about staying close to home? And my, I was emphatically like, no, not at all. Like from the time I can even remember, I'm like, I'm not staying home to go to college. I don't care where it is. Like, I don't, I don't care if it's, I'm going to New Mexico state and I'm a, I'm a worst football program in America. Like I'm not staying home. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents were like, uh, my mom obviously was kind of upset by that. Because I think, it just, you know, as a mom, like, she didn't realize how much I just wanted to get out. And it wasn't because of what they were doing. So it's like, I just wanted to get out. Yeah. Like, I want to do something different. And yeah. so, like, I, same thing. Like, Chicago, Minneapolis, like, why not? Yeah. Not that far away. Can- mm-hmm. Manhattan, Kansas to Vermillion, South Dakota, door-to-door is five hours. Like, it's it's far enough right. where I'm not going to go home every weekend. But it's not so far where I can't just drive my car and if I need to and just go home right. exactly and there's that's like opposite of me almost like I was in Colorado I was living the life I was I'm oldest of five I was the first one to go through everything and I, similar to both of you guys like I just wanted to get out and explore I saw college as an opportunity of like wow I'm getting all these letters from the west coast to the east coast north and south like this is an opportunity for me to go and explore somewhere that I've never been before yeah and I showed up in Minnesota on a on a Friday in the middle of January and the next day I committed to St. Thomas. Like I just thought it was. So what else were you thinking? I, I was thinking, um, mainly the East coast. Like I was looking at Villanova. Both my parents went to Northwestern. My dad was a linebacker. My mom was a lacrosse player there. Still no Brown family kid has gotten into Northwestern. Now we have one left. I'm hoping <laughs> that she can get in. She's also the most athletic 
Keely, if you're listening, she's not listening, but like, you know, nobody listens again. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, I was, I was mainly looking at just like bigger, like D one double a type, like Ivy league schools too. And then St. Thomas, I found kind of off a whim from a family friend and went out there, visited. They liked me. I liked them. And I was just like, yeah, this makes sense. I had like, it was like location, like city. Yeah. It had the engineering program, which I wanted. And then I was like, pants. Yeah. A little bit. Look at you. A little bit. And he's got brains. He's the brains of the operation. Yeah. Still just a hundred percent a goofball though. Yeah. Well, you have to be, you can never take yourself too serious. Never. I don't care what, I don't care if you're a brain surgeon, you got to like, let her rip. Be silly. Exactly. Yeah. Grab your mustache and enjoy your number. Yeah. Wax it up, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where's your mustache? I can't. Um, I can't really grow one like that. I can grow one. Can't grow one like this? Come yeah. on. That's a, <laughs> what do you mean you can't, dude? Anybody can do this. No, this no, is just bad. Kinda, it's kind of strong. It's a curler. Yeah, it's it's been going for about five weeks now. So it's been taking some time. Andrew grew that overnight. Yeah. So, mm. Andrew, you have a very um, you have a very shop teacher mustache look. Sweet. Yeah. Like, no, I think like, that's a good thing. Like shop teacher, like uh, I'm the... Like mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, auto mechanic. Sweet. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm, grease me up. <laughs> I love yeah. that. If you if you just looked at just your face from like here from like your the tip of your nose down to your chin, shop teacher. <laughs> All right, strong like jaw, that. maybe strong jaw. Yeah, yeah. jaw lines there, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's nice and full. I like how full your stash is. Thank you. <laughs> it's so thick. Yeah. I, uh, Declan, yours is not full at all. No, not even close. More people have called me a porn star than my name, actually, which is really disappointed. So, what do you guys subscribe to when it comes to porn star names? Uh, well, you know, I guess I'll offer that question in, into, um, please do. So, I've, I've heard, uh, you do your, you do your, your first pet's name and your mom's maiden name. Okay. So mine would be Fireball Goodhue. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a pet goldfish. <laughs> it was a betta fish, Fireball. And my mom's maiden name is Goodhue. God, that's great. <laughs> God, that's great. Unreal. Mine would be not, not near as good, but uh, Lebowski Mullen. Lebowski Mullen. Lebowski Mullen. I like that. Yeah, little uh, beta fish named Lebowski. God, that's good. Intern Ty. Mine would be Race Car Marks. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna pet named Race Car. I had a goldfish when I was like six years old. That when he went in the tank, he swam around a lot. I came to realize that's just what goldfish do when they get new tanks. I'm like, that fish was fast like a race car. And oh, beautiful. But also Ty. Like speaking of brains, Ty he probably at that point had just realized what a palindrome was. And named it after that. I did like it, that was appealing to me that I could spell it the same forward and backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm with you. Did you did you, did you not know what a palindrome was? No. You know what I was thinking when you said palindrome. Yeah. It, it, what's the what's the thing where the cars like go in that sphere and they go around? around oh, and, and all the way down to the middle. Yeah, they can they just like 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 the motorcycle. Like oh, the extreme like guys the... can go like in that in that like cage thing, and they yeah, go, yeah. Rrr, that rrr. is also probably a palindrome. Is it? I don't know. Probably sounds something like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. What's what's your porn star name? Uh, our, mine would be Nikita Han. Nikita, Nikita Han. Han. Yeah, my mom's Korean and her last name is Han. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. What was your pet? It was a Siberian Husky. Ooh. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Very Game of Thrones of you. Well, I was like two. Okay. Yeah. So I technically, I mean, it wasn't my first pet, but it was our family's first pet. Right. right. That's yeah. legit, man. Nikita I like Han. That. Yeah. Sweet. 
So, uh, you know, we were talking about Bill Schneider earlier, and we were, you know, Bill Schneider. Oh, we were? Yeah, we were. Oh. Before mm-hmm. the porn stars. Oh, I wonder what Bill's porn star name is now I'm thinking about it. God. You know, oh, well. I'll have to ask him. But speaking of porn stars, <laughs> Rex Ryan. Yeah. He was your coach. I know. You how sick like, was that? Wait, how did you guys know that? I was uh, perusing on Wikipedia. I hit Bill Schneider, and I was like, all right, I got to figure out his coaching tree. Yeah, we're huge coaching tree guys. Okay. Like we, we we put ourselves on good research. And then I went down, and it said Rex Ryan was there, and um, like the Stoops were there, yep. and um, one other big-name coach, uh, Brett Bielema. 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 Yeah, I was not around Bielema. And yeah. I think you cross over with like one of the Stoops. Yep, uh, Mike. Mike. Um, but I was like, Rex Ryan clicked on it, 98 there for a year. and Oh, no, no, no. No? There for like two days. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's so porn star. Yeah. It, <laughs> oh, he, so I don't know if he got into like a, a foot fetish issue in, in like the 48 hours he was in Manhattan, but, oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> no, my only story about Rex Ryan is he, so we, we heard that, dude, we just, like, Rex Ryan's going to be our linebacker coach. Like, how, how fucking awesome is that? Like, yeah. this is crazy, right? And uh, he comes into our first meeting, and we we break down the team meeting. We all break up into our position groups, and he's like, all right, guys. He does this, like, whatever, does a quick introduction. He's like, all right, guys, I want you guys to raise your hand. So we all kind of, like, raise our hand. He's like, all right, now I'm going to ask you guys to raise that hand about six inches higher. And so we all, like, you know, did that goofy, like, (laughs) reach even higher. He's like, that's what I'm going to do to you guys. I'm going to make you that much better. That was it. Gone the next day. Wow. Wow. Never, never, never privately talked to him, ever. Wow. Yeah. Did you Dang. feel like you got that much better? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to tear up, but yes, I did. Yeah. There you, you know, go. I, I, I owe a lot of my career to Rex Ryan. Right. Yeah, I was going to say. In, in, in like the 10 minute meeting I had with him. Oh my gosh. All Big 12, Ooh, all American a better story probably. Than... <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm ha- well, I'm, I think it's hilarious that they put like one year on there, like 1998, as if it's like the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 48 hours. <laughs> one meeting and a hand raise speech. <laughs> and really, the thing is like, how, how cheesy is that? Yeah. That's raise cool. your hand. Now get it higher. I'm going to make you that much better. Like, really, that's all you got? Yeah. Like, you're an NFL coach. Like, that's it. Yeah, and at that time, like, I, I noticed he was, like, Arizona Cardinals. Then it was, like, Oklahoma or something. And then it was, like, NFL. Then back then still. And I was, like, what is going on here? Yeah. And that makes total sense now. Yeah. yeah. Rex Ryan. What a goof. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but you had Bill Snyder as your coach. Mm-hmm. And we know also through doing our research that he loves ha- – um, Ooh. Sending out handwritten notes. Yes, I'm curious from your end. Um, how did that ever? Do you ever cross path paths with that? Uh, the handwritten notes. Uh, yes, but I'm trying to remember in what context. I think I had. I got. I got several. Um, I think I got one for just the like. I like. I won like most improved defensive player like twice, two years in a row, and so not only in, in our we we got these like little trophy type things in our awards ceremony, but he also I think hand wrote a note just saying like you know proud of you blah 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 like stuff like that. Gotcha. Uh, and then I think he wrote me a note as well when my when I got drafted. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, Snyder Snyder was great. You know the thing is with Snyder he was he was pretty hands off when it came to individualized players. You know if you had problems and you had you needed some assistance like he was there for some guys, but. For 90% of the team that just kind of took care of their own stuff, you didn't really interact with Snyder. Mm. 
Like he was not a guy that you like would just knock on his door and hang out or, you know, chop it up in the hallways. You guys are passing by. Like he was all business all the time. Right. Um, you had a much closer relationship with your, your position coach. Okay. So I don't know if that was the same for you guys. Oh, very similar. Very similar. Yeah. 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 Our head coach hands off, uh, putting in, instilling the culture. Wasn't a play caller. Uh, he was, uh, our freshman sophomore year, but yeah. transitioned out. Um, and, but definitely a call coach Caruso instills the culture and then yeah. your position player uh position coach was definitely the ones that you became very close to like i still stay in touch with him yeah very periodically yeah yeah so going from your like college career you know hanging out with rex ryan propelling you yeah. he was more i mean we can call it the launch pad you know he, he was, was. Yep. he was that guy yep um so let me i want to know what it's like getting drafted how was that uh it was stressful um so it was just i was in my little uh little twin home i don't know if that's what you call it. tiny home it wasn't a tiny you were like a nomad so no, no. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that you traveled up north uh, like a duplex i'll call it a duplex, duplex. okay, okay. Duplex. we go that too yes yeah so um just in my little duplex in manhattan uh my my whole fam immediate family was there um my girlfriend slash wife now at the time was was there very small very intimate deal so not a lot of people there and um, I was told before the draft by my agents that Chicago Bears, they had like the, uh, the I don't know, like, let's say fifth to last pick in the second round that they were, tar- they were, they were telling my agents, like, we're going to, we're targeting Ben if he's, if, if he's still there, like, which of course I'm still going to be there, you know, <laughs> uh, if, if he's still there, we're going to take him in the second round, rather pick in the second round. So I knew for, you know, the first you know, first round and, and half of the second round, like I wasn't going to go anywhere, but I still, when that started at noon, cause back in the, you know, back in that time you did the first three rounds on Saturday and then you did, you know, four through seven on Sunday. So it wasn't like this long drawn out thing, but it just made for a long day. So it started at noon and I just, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why I had to just sit there and watch. I just sat on the couch and just watched the thing from start at noon and my, my brothers and my family are all like playing cards and just kind of drinking and relaxing and socializing. And meanwhile, I'm just like stress ball, just sitting on the, on the couch, just watching the draft. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I know I'm not going to get drafted in the first round. So why did I just so glued and so intense? Um, but I did. And then it got to, you know, it's like six, seven o'clock. And I'm like, all right, you know, Chicago's coming up here pretty soon. And all of a sudden Chicago pops up and they say, um, they trade their pick away, trade their pick away. They drop down to, to 71st in the draft. Oh. Um, so they were at like, yeah, 70, 70, 70, 72nd or 73rd. I'm sorry. 72nd or 73rd. Anyway, the point is, um, so they go early in the third round. So now I'm like, what the shit now? Like I, <laughs> there's no other team that told me that they were interested in me. I don't know who's interested in me. They don't tell, they didn't really tell us. So I'm like, I, I felt like I had Chicago or nothing. Wow. And <laughs> then the third round starts. Um, the Vikings are on deck. You know, it says the Vikings are at 72. The chargers are at 71. The chargers were on the clock. So I'm like, so my phone rings with the chargers on the clock. And I see, well, the Vikings are up next. So like, Everybody starts freaking out, thinking it was the Vikings, and that was I was gonna basically stay kind of home, you know, it's close to home. And uh, so my mom's kind of freaking out. She's like, you know, she's just happy I'm gonna be close. And I pick up the phone, and it was John Butler, the GM of the Chargers at the time, and he's like, 
Ben Lieber, John Butler, GM, you know, San Diego Chargers. How you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you? He's like, would you like to be a Charger? I'm like, yeah, I would. He's like, all right, <laughs> all right. right. We're going to make you, we're going to make you your picker right now. And we're going to turn it in and I'll just pass the phone around. So then like, then it's a whirlwind of like, I'm talking to Schottenheimer and then it was like, you know, defensive coordinator, Dale Lindsay. And then it was like, you know, I don't even know who, like, I don't even know who I ended up talking to. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Congratulations. Here. Here's the phone. And then I hang up the phone and then they turn the card in and then they announced it on TV that they had selected me. And then, you know, our whole room just kind of went crazy and it was just fun and hugs and tears and whatever. Um, then we went out and got drunk. Yeah. Surreal moment. Very yeah. rewarding. Can you walk me through? So for us and like a lot of our listeners, they are, you know, in year two of their professional career. Uh, Cause we just graduated in 2018. Now we're in 2019, just starting in th- uh, that second year. And if you will, of their professional adult life. Yeah. Um, can you walk me through kind of like your mindset entering from, you know, you go from small town, South Dakota, you're going to Kansas state. Um, and that that experience in itself you had to learn how to go from like big man on campus little man on campus and then you worked your way up and you had your success there yeah and then in in your college years you're taking now that success and bringing it to the nfl where it just goes down to that one percent the top at the top of the, the cream of the crop yeah can you walk me through kind of just like your initial mindset going into the nfl um, ready to attack because again you had success early on in your career in the NFL. But I'm curious on like what was your personality like at that time, and how were you able to take on all of this and find that um, type of success? Uh, that's a tough question, but I I would say, I don't know if I can really just say like it was just it was this like I I just took this mother by the horns and just ran with it like no not at all like. Um, I think you're, I was filled with so much just like self doubt of like, uh, do I even belong here? What am I doing? Like, uh, this seems like, this doesn't seem like a life that I'm supposed to live. Um, you know, I got to San Diego. It was, again, it's a whirlwind because you get, I got drafted on a Saturday night. I was on a plane on Wednesday, the next week flying to San Diego, um, practice started for rookies you know we had uh, sort of like our, our physicals and everything on thursday and then we had our first rookie mini camp on friday so in, in a course of you know a couple days you're a quote-unquote professional athlete i don't know if anybody really has time to process all of that you know and and it's like you're just you're starting this whole new life and then and like all new expectations and then all of a sudden you don't realize it at the time but like you're you're in the nfl fishbowl and it's like there's a lot more attention and there's a lot more stuff going on. Um, I think the first the first few weeks is just trying to get your bearings. You know, it's like new organization, not a team, like an organization. You know, it's a new city. Um, I was a little apprehensive about San Diego to begin with. I just had sort of preconceived stereotypes of what I thought San Diego was going to be. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to fit for me. I don't think this is going to be my lifestyle. I don't think this is going to be my, my type of people. Um, not a West Coast guy. I wasn't, but I sure the hell am now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how uh, can you have doubts about San Diego? <laughs> um, I didn't know much about it, mm. and um, so I think there was just there's just a lot to kind of process and understand, and then and then I, the the mindset I just I took was all right. I know myself enough to like I'm not going to handle that much stuff, that much stimulus. So just block it out just block it out. And I really took a survive, just survive the day mentality. 
And if there if there were blinders to be put on, I put blinders on. I'm like, I'm not getting distracted by anything. I need to prove to myself that I can do this. I need to prove I need to I need to prove to myself my 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 worth to this team. You know, I need to I felt like this pressure of they invested money in me. Somebody within the organization or some bodies within the organization believed in me. Now I need to believe myself and prove to them that they made the right decision. So there was a, there were that, there's that fear of like disappointing somebody and disappointing the head coach, disappointing anybody. So, um, that's sort of the mindset I took was I, I can't, I can't fail. Cause I don't want to disappoint somebody and I don't want to disappoint myself. So I just did whatever I needed to do. If they said, if they said be here at 6 a.m. for a workout or 6.30, I was there. You know, if they if they needed uh, somebody to lead that group, I'm going to lead the group. You know, so I, I just kind of, I did everything kind of based off of not wanting to fail and not wanting to have that disappointment on anybody. Like my parents, you know, people back in South Dakota, any of that stuff. But more for me, it was just like, I can't fail myself. I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I just can't. I can't fail, so I'm not going to fail today. Right. So that's that's kind of it. Did awesome. you uh, did you ever transition or have a maybe a realization where it was like survive the day to like win the day, where you had confidence now, where you're like, okay, the blinders don't necessarily have to be up. I have my palette of of a day. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to go and attack. Um, I would say that happened probably. Honestly, truthfully, not until like year three. Wow. Um, the blinders came off about halfway through my my rookie year. Um, I had a moment where I was playing against Jerry Rice in Oakland, and I lined up against him, and I had that surreal moment of I'm I'm four feet away from Jerry Rice. I'm looking at this icon who I grew up. My family grew up 49ers fans. Um, I'm looking through his face mask. And I'm just thinking, I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, that's Jerry Rice. That was when the blinders came off. And that's when I was like, I'm in the NFL, man. Like, I'm on the same field, four feet away from Jerry Rice. From that moment on to the rest of the season, I think, I, I think I've sort of just absorbed a little bit more of, like, what I was doing. Um, then year two comes. Year two was rough for me. We we had released Junior Seau because they thought I had played well enough my rookie year that I was going to su- supplant Junior Seau, like I was going to take his spot. Um, and so there was pressure that I just wasn't ready for. You know, there was pressure within within all of that 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 I just I wasn't ready to handle the defensive load. I wasn't ready to handle the play calling. Um, I, from an X's and O's standpoint, didn't understand football to that level. Certainly, did not the level that Junior did. Um, so I, I really struggled. I mean, our team struggled. We were four and 12 and I personally struggled of just like, man, I, I just don't, I, I don't know if I can, I know I can handle the game physically, but I was struggling mentally, like understanding concepts, thinking on my feet, um, getting the team in the right checks and doing that stuff like that. And so it wasn't until year three that I kind of just told myself, this is do or die. Like I'm no longer, I don't, I lo- no longer get this long leash of being a rookie, being a young guy. I have to make this work. So I like, I just hit the books even harder and we had a, a scheme change. We had uh, Wade Phillips come in. And so they moved me to an outside linebacker where I, they took a little bit off my plate. Then they're like, all right, we believe that you can do a little rush. You can rush the passer a little bit. So I just really like try to hone my craft and like, I, I got I got to nail down a couple, a couple good moves and, and then just work from there. And I did all right. I mean, it, it was, it was okay. Um, 
probably the it was the best season I had in San Diego. And uh, and they were really happy with what uh, I was doing. But I wasn't a prototypical 3-4 outside rusher. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like, it was so much fun. Like, probably the most fun I've had in a long time, just playing that position. Um, that's when I that's when I kind of took ownership of, like, who I was, what I was doing. You know, I was more intentional about my workouts, more intentional about practice, more intentional about, like, working skill set, working my hands. Like, fucking took a keto lessons to try to work hand you know my hand no usage way, and like keto? and uh so i was just trying to do anything i could to find that edge and that's like into year three was like that's when i think everything's sort of just like my eyes opened up to what the possibilities that i could that i could do in as a football player right yeah you're not you're not able to utilize a uh, chop chop rip and just get through anymore you had to work in a couple different moves and that's when keto comes in right yeah, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> we're working chop chop rip repeatedly yeah. at St. Thomas. At St. Thomas, so you're looking pretty... at an ex uh, outside linebacker right here. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> and I got to the quarterback maybe once. What that? Was. <laughs> what that, was your go to? My go to? No, 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 no. My <laughs> Ben, please. <laughs> my my go to was the chop chop rip, and then the chop chop rip not working and spinning out of it. So oh. like. So like I would chop chop rip, the tackle would follow me all the way out, and then out of nowhere I spin underneath, and then Decky makes a sack. I like it. Yeah. That's pretty much happened. Yeah, and I myself as a safety avoided at all costs uh, <laughs> any type of uh, embracing with those uh, linemen. They get my hands on me, and I wasn't getting away from them, so I just got lower and tried to get underneath yeah. all hands. You know, not to sound like a complete meathead, um, <laughs> but. But of playing football, I think the hand-to-hand combat is the one thing I love the most. Okay. Really? Um, I was – at Kansas State, I was, I was more of a – I was more of a nine technique. Mm-hmm. I was an outside we, – we play a lot of under defense. So our outside linebacker was lined up outside the tight end, like on the line of scrimmage. And then a nickel and sub packages and stuff, I'd play more of the inside. But, man, I, I, I loved that, like, instant impact of, like – you know, he, he's going to reach block me, base block me, down block. I, I got to I got to read this. I got to read this one guy like it's me and him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always just like every snap, you know, mano a mano. But it was I enjoyed I enjoyed the life of sort of a pseudo defensive end because shit happens instantly. Yeah. You know, and you got to have your hands ready. It's face and hands. It's like a quick like pop. And then like you either have leverage or you don't. Mm-hmm. And and man, I I I do miss that. That part of the game, I miss. I miss a lot. I miss a lot of the game. I'm only two years away from uh, removed from it. Um, definitely, just contact in general. It's 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 honestly a. It's as funny as it sounds. Like I miss contact. I miss just even in practice those little just shoulder shouldering up each other to warm up your shoulder pads before a game uh, to start a practice. All of that stuff. That's the stuff I miss. Yeah. Just like. Having a thought of like, all right, I can run up and just form fit someone real quick and get my energy going. Like yeah. that is one of the coolest things that you can do in football, and I miss that. <laughs> yeah, I also kind of miss the nerves, and I'm trying to get those back through different things in my life. But like the nerves and the ability to just like be so present and having to yeah. just be like so freaking active yeah. in your brain. It's insane. I, I, lo- I love I loved that feeling like before a game when you have like all these things going through your head and like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get that as much anymore unless I'm like really nervous as hell before like a comedy show or something like that. Yeah. But dude, that, that, 
that mindset, man. I don't know. It, it's fun. I, I think that's a hard thing for. It's a hard thing to explain to non-student athletes. And I'm not. Mm. And I'm not just saying just football, but I'm saying like anybody that performs. Anybody that performs. You know, seriously. If you're a stage performer or whatever it is, that that reason, that time, whenever the lights come on and nothing else is supposed to matter. Not you know. You can't always like. Not every time you go out there is going to be like your 100 percent focus. But the quest to like find that that center and find that presence and that that present time is awesome like and you have you have no other distractions and no other reason not to just be right there and then to go out there and perform it's fun like it's it's hard to replicate when you walk away from anything that you're doing if you don't find that i think i think that's why a lot of student athletes and you know professional athletes struggle afterwards because you miss that you miss that just intensity that mental intensity for three hours yeah and it's and it's been in you and with you for i mean as long as you've performed right Mm -hmm. i mean it's for some of us we've played since we were in third grade and it we go i don't even know how many years of our lives playing football and at one instance it's usually just taken away it's a finite game it's a finite game Crazy. I just I miss shower time with the guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll quote just that. Yeah. <laughs> Fox Sports analyst Ben uh, Lieber <laughs> misses showering with the guys. <laughs> I felt like we had to lighten it up a little. Bit. No, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Good move. Um, so kind of transitioning like post NFL career and getting into uh, being a radio personality and being a TV personality was that something that you kind of saw coming was that something that i mean did you always have a face for radio like always you just knew always yeah you looked at yourself in the mirror every morning like i piss excellence i piss excellence i i'm gonna shave my head i'm gonna look this good bald and it's gonna be amazing that was that 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 i that i uh i wouldn't say i look amazing but i fell in i fell into the fact that i don't have a wrinkly head okay so i do have a a smooth head but can you judge a head before it gets bald if it's no. going to be wrinkly? No. So coming from a person that's... Yeah, take your head off, hat off. Easy. I'm getting there. Take your hat off, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's receding. It's receding. Yeah. You know what? It's, In, uh, from, it's fine. Com- okay. It's fine. I, I'm Yours is receding in, in a normal pattern. I have the male pa- pattern baldness where it's just patches of hula hand up here. <laughs> and it's like... I I used to shave my head just because I wanted to. Right. Now I have to shave my head because I have to. Oh. Yeah. Big difference. Okay. So keep in mind my my uh, our middle my middle brother, um, he and I are like 18, 19 months apart. Um, he started shaving his head when he was a, a junior in high school, which made me a Whoa. which made me a freshman in high school. That's when I started cutting my hair. Cause I watched him do it. I'm like Listen, we're we're Asian. Like Asians have terrible hair. I mean, look at all these boys. Look at BTS or whatever. Like the awful hair. Like it's you have to grow it out super long, and then you have to use a half a can of mousse for it to like stay styled, right? Oh, yeah. So it it's not like it's not a nice little like lay down quaff. You can't you can't do anything with it. It's like a lot of work because it's straight. It's straight and it's thick, mm-hmm. and. Um, we just got tired of it. And so my brother just started shaving his head. I'm like, I'm going to do the same damn thing. And so I've been cutting my hair to different degrees of closeness um, since I was a freshman in high school. So I just, wow. it's just kind of what I've done. 
right on. Yeah. So when you mentioned earlier where you're like, I, you know, we've struggled to find the things of like when the lights come on and, and everything's on you. <clears throat> Do you feel that same way when you're recording your uh, post game an- analysis from Vikings games and you're throwing IGTVs up there? <laughs> no. Because you sure act like it, man. You're, no. You are, you're gleaming. 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 Wow. I well, mean, you're on the field. That's the, that's the powder I put on before. Yeah. yeah. A con- little contour. Yeah, I put a little extra shimmery powder on. Have you been getting good at that? Like makeup? No, I don't do any makeup. Okay, okay. okay. No. You, you I, need to, I need to. I mean, I'm getting sunspots, and I'm getting like the aging marks. I'm 40 years old, and that shit's starting to happen. Oh, but you look young, man. 40, man. I'll be, 41 in, I'll be 41 in a month. Oh, man. I know. You guys are young bucks. Yeah. Young Ty's bucks. even younger. I can tell. I'm half your age. <laughs> Not to brag. Yeah. Humble brag. Yeah. Uh, Jeez, Dad. Yeah. Over there in the horizontal yeah, stripes. Yeah, toughing his chest out, yeah. too. No, Toughing his chest out, I mean. I'm sort of the intimidating factor of this podcast, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. I'm like the last line of defense in this room. Yeah, yeah. Ty's a Packers fan, too. Okay, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um,. I don't even know where we're at, but um, sorry, I, I just I plugged your Instagram for you. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, well, actually, and it, and it has nothing to do with the Instagram at all. But I, um, like, just being an analyst, being on the radio, being like in the spotlight, really putting yourself out there. What, like, how did you find your way into that? Um, I I kind of went on just a little bit of a journey about what I want to do when I was getting ready to be done with football. I knew I knew about year seven, eight that all right. Well, I I know how my body feels. I know that I've got you know a few years left. Let's, I was hoping to get to ten. Ten was a, a goal of mine. Um, and so about year seven, I started like thinking about all right, what am I going to do? Do I want to get in business, commercial real estate? You know, what do I want to do? And so I took advantage of a lot of the NFL post uh, education programs. Oh, uh, so they do, they do a great job. Uh, they have internship. Well, not internship, but they have um, like uh, boot camps. So they have uh, academic boot camps all over the country. Wharton School of Business, Stanford, um, Kellogg. So you can go um, Harvard. So whatever I, I chose to do the entrepreneurship program at Stanford. And so it's a four day crash course. Um you just go in there and they, you, you learn from some of their professors that they, they brought in a bunch of ex Stanford people like, like, um, was it Hedrick? Is it Jay Hedrick? Um, anyway, he's the guy that founded the TRX system, like oh, the oh. suspension trainer. So yeah, he's an yeah. ex Navy seal that went to Stanford and got his, uh, his MBA. And he created the, the TRX through his, the program there at Stanford. So, you know, we got to hear from people like that about like, you know, what they're doing. So, I just dabbled in that. And the next year I did broadcast boot camp, which was out at NFL films in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And I just thought, you know, I've always been relatively comfortable in front of a, in front of a microphone. And I was always getting asked by the media to do stuff. I'm like, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe that's something. So I always just kept my eyes and ears open for anything that would come my way that I thought would be interesting. And, um, then I did a second installment of the broadcast boot camp because they asked me to come back. And they're like, hey, you did a really good job. We want you to come back. And I'm like, all right, I'll come back. And I did broadcast boot camp too. Um, and everybody's there. See, you know, the, the, the executive vice president of talent from CBS, from Fox, from NBC. Like, uh, they're all like, they're all there just kind of looking. And I got a lot of great feedback. And, and as you guys know, it's like, it's, it's all about connections and networking stuff that we didn't really know as, as players, how important it was. 
Um, that's a big gap for professional athletes. They don't understand how important it is to just continue building relationships. Like we all just have this ego that we think that everybody just should, should want to get to know us and we shouldn't like take the time to get to know other people and truly build like personal relationships. And so a lot of guys get done and myself included of like not having a Rolodex of people you can even call. Like I, I don't know anybody in the banking or financial world. I don't know anybody in, you know, uh, commercial real estate or anything, you know, I don't know any doctors. It didn't matter. Like I didn't know them. Um, so then I just started doing, when I got done, I was offered to do some just free stuff on K fan. And so I started doing that and, you know, I'm like, all right, well maybe I want to do this. And so then I just kind of made a mental plan of what, what that would look like and how I could go about doing it. And, you know, I got some really good advice from some good people and they just said like, do everything and do everything for free and never say no. Mm. And so my wife has been extremely supportive. Uh, we were having, we had a young family, a very young family at the time. And she was very supportive of just me doing hits on care 11 at 7am to do it for free, you know, to get time, you know, to get your stage time. Yeah. To be in front of the camera and just feel comfortable with an inanimate object staring at you in the face and having to have a conversation with it. Um, cause I, I was a business major. I didn't go into mass journalism or communications in college. So I didn't know any of that stuff. So I just used to learn on the fly. Just like, I think a lot of people, you just throw yourself like you guys are doing this, like yeah. just do it, just throw yourself out there. And, uh, and be vulnerable. I mean, that's the one piece of advice I would tell anybody in anything like who gives a rip. Like it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to make mistakes. Even if it's in a bigger setting, it's in a bigger fishbowl and there might be bitter, bigger criticisms. Like at least you're out there doing it. You know, at least you're out there trying, you know, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. It can suck and it can be painful and you can make, you make mistakes every day. Yeah. Who cares? Move on. Especially when you open yourself up to being vulnerable. I mean, you can get caught off guard at all times. And there's probably been situations where there's been like a unique thing that's happened where it totally caught you off guard. And, you know, I'd like to ask you, actually, I think we have like a unique situation that we'd like to present you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know you're a sports analyst uh, sideline for KFAN. I try. Yes. Um, so I kind of want to put you in a situation, you know, being the sideline analyst, like I see people checking in on Tracy Wolfson on an injury or yeah. maybe something new along here. So I want to kind of play through situation. Um, Kirk Cousins comes out. It's the Vikings. Uh, they're in the Super Bowl. Mm. And Kirk Cousins comes out for the for the first time. It's the opening drive. Kickoff just happened. Yeah. And he comes out. But instead of wearing, instead of just like coming out as a normal quarterback, he's got fingerless gloves on. So I'll be Joe Buck. And I'm going to have to come down to you. And you're going to have to report on why. Kirk Cousins is wearing fingerless gloves. Do you oh, know what I'm talking about? The, uh, wait, what? You're in a dome. You're in a dome. And and, uh, and Brett Favre handed Kirk yeah. Cousins. Yeah, these, these are, are these are fit. these are copper fit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So here we are. Kirk Cousins run out for the first drive. Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Uh, we got Kirk Cousins out here. Wait, what do we got going on here, uh, Tony? We got uh, it looks like Kirk Cousins has some fingerless gloves. Are we're gonna have to send it down to Ben Lieber, Ben? What are these copper fit gloves on uh, Kirk going on tonight? Well, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was I was gonna go with the fact that you the audience didn't know you didn't know it was copper fit. So <laughs> oh, you kinda, okay, you I can blew, run it you back. Blew my lead there. Should, right. should I eliminate the? Oh, here's what. I'll do. Okay. Okay. Looks like Kirk's got these uh, fingerless gloves on. What what's going on down here, Ben? 
Yeah, that's right, Joe. Uh, he came out here for this opening drive, and he's got Brett Favre's copper fit gloves on, and he believes that if uh, if there's a time to pull out the copper fit gloves, it's the biggest game of his career. And if there's a time to play like Brett Favre, the time is today. Dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, we were sitting downstairs and like and, the, and the, we were watching the Giants Cowboys game and Copperfit fingerless gloves came up as a commercial yeah. and we we're like, what if Kirk Cousins is wearing that? Well, what if Ben Lieber had to report about <laughs> Kirk Cousins wearing that? Back to you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And that and that was presented by Mobile PT. Yeah. First and ten. <laughs> Do you ever have to like read ads that you like really don't want to read or know anything about? Like sixty minutes is coming up. We got no. like some foreign policy thing. You have no idea. About. No, no, no. That's all handled by the play-by-play guy. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, all- oh, because you're color, so yeah, you don't have yeah. to color guys. It. No, we don't. We don't have to do any of the reads. I okay. mean, for. Uh, like like this weekend, I've got a Westwood One game, and uh, Westwood One likes to have their analysts do at least one deal, so it's like a sponsored element, like the player of the game. So they'll give me, you know, they the producer, the in you know, in booth producer, they all kind of know what, you know, they obviously know that the timing and what's coming and what what New York wants and all this, this stuff. So um, they'll tell you like at the, the commercial break, like, hey, when we're coming back, read this card, you know figure out you know, like you come up with whoever because it's up to me like who i think of the player of the game is mm. and uh and it's pretty easy it's a pretty democratic process like well you know so-and-so is having a really good game what do you guys think like yeah let's just go with that you know, it's not science you know it's not like right. nobody's gonna hold us to the fire like no he's not the player of the game <laughs> i think so-and-so is like nobody cares. that's not what the twitter poll said ben yeah. yeah as long as you pick somebody that had like a relatively good game and you, yeah. you throw some support behind it and you say like oh here's duracell's you know high-powered player of the game Gotcha. So what's it like having, do you have to like really, do you find yourself overemphasizing or like having that quote unquote, like broadcast voice when you're on, like when you're on live? Uh, I try not to, Mm. but you definitely have to keep a, a certain amount of energy through the game. Yeah. And I think just, listen, I'll put it this way. This is still a learning experience for me. So, and by no means my will I ever teach a master class on broadcasting at this point. Like I'm still finding my way. Well, no, this is the this is the so, class for average guys, and we're yeah. we're potential broadcasters. You know, yeah. we could be it could be us. You never know, Ben. I, I know. I'm striving, <laughs> <Yeah>. striving. <laughs> um, you certainly have to go through. I went through. I would say my first year and a half, two years, when I was just doing part time stuff with Fox, doing high school football, and just I mean, gone South Florida and Dallas, and you know, just grinding away, just trying to find your voice. Of course, I tried to sometimes copy other people. I'd listen to I'd listen to Chris Collinsworth. I'm like, oh, I gotta have this voice like Collinsworth, and I've got like you know, you know, like really just kind of lower my my bass and just be a little more emphatic and whatever. And I'll like take bits and pieces of like what this guy's doing, this guy's doing. And at the end of it, it's like, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's not authentic. People can see through it. I hated listening back and be like, Oh God, that's not, that's not me. Like, what am I doing? And then it, you almost, it takes away from you actually analyzing the game because you're thinking about trying to be this like character. That's not you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where repetition comes in, whether it's radio, whether it's TV or whatever it is, anytime that you have a chance to sort of broadcast, um, be you just be you. I mean, of course you have to work on cadence. Of course you have to work on being concise, especially in a, in a TV setting where 
play-by-play guy does one thing. He he gives you a 30, or not even 30, he gives you a 15-second window to analyze the play. Now, as you guys know, on any given play, you could talk about probably five or six different things that happened on that play. But then you have to filter that information like, well, what's important? Like, what's relevant? What's a, What's the story? And I think that's where the that's where it's a constant struggle of um, me learning as the game goes on what's relevant and what you can edit out and filter, and then you have to say it in a concise way. Say it does does this require energy? You know, is this you know obviously scoring plays are great plays. You just naturally got to bring a little bit more energy. Um, but if it's a just a routine play, probably not even a time to talk about the play. Hey, maybe this is a good time to talk about the player. You know, or maybe this is a good time to talk about the guy that made the tackle. So you get your talk back, talk to the guys in truck. Hey, 13 blue. I want to talk about 13 blue. Cool. Camera director goes to 13 blue, 13 blues on the screen. And then you say like, Hey, you know, 13 blue, what an incredible story. It made a great play, but man, he's got a, he's got a great story. He's got this, he's got that. Then you add that little You add that little color has nothing to do with the play, but it just gives you an opportunity to highlight this player that maybe some people didn't know about. So, that's what you con- you're constantly doing. And then you do it. In, you do that in 15 seconds, and, right. then you, and then you have to give it back to the play-by-play guy so he can set up the play. And so in college football, it gets really hard because as you guys know, it's tempo, it's no huddle, it's no huddle. Pause, look to the sideline, get the play, reset, clap, go. clap, go. Mm-hmm. So I may have had 10 more seconds to talk, but I got to stop whenever they're setting up. You know the cardinal rules don't don't talk over the the play by play guy's spot to set up the play, so it's like it's a, I mean you're at times can be mentally exhausted just like yeah that sounds figuring that, out. that sounds insane almost like having to like live coordinate everything yeah. based on what you're thinking in the ultimate time like I have ten seconds here I'm gonna talk about thirteen blue yeah panda thirteen blue now I'm gonna talk about I have to nail what it is. And it's sponsored by Affleck, and that's crazy. Well, yeah, the, the sponsorship, like, yeah, you're, yeah, that would, yeah you're I'm put, always you're, plugging the sponsor. Yeah, you're, put, you're you're putting more hot sauce on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's a it's a flow, and it's a it's a, you end up getting to a rhythm, mm-hmm. and that's where you just again, it's just like, man, it, yeah. the, I like I walked away from this last game I did at North Texas for um for NFL Network, and it's like it's a it's a relatively new crew that I've never worked with. And it's all the stuff, and and like, I I know how to call a, a game, but uh, it's different when you're working with this guy, and it's different when you're working with said producer, and it's different mm-hmm. when working with said director, and it's like, you know, things are happening. So I even walked away from last game like that was a shit game for me, you know, and you just you you just battle through different different elements and different things, but like every week is different, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Finding your uh, your radio voice is an average quality. It's a it's a it's a win some you lose some you yeah. have to learn a trial by error uh, strikes and gutters ebbs and flows ups and downs. Our favorite question to ask on the back pocket is what's your average quality? And this is something you do well at times, other times not so well. At the end of the day, it's your average quality. It could be something you care about deeply and you're trying to get better at every day. So I'm curious, Ben, what is your average quality? Um, this is gonna be boring, but I think I struggle with it every day. Is um. I would say, I wouldn't say like being focused, but procrastination. Like it, it, 
this is full circle moment. You let in with the very first thing you said, I think, on this podcast was I put things off and we'll get into this later. I think yeah. you said those words. Said yeah. those things. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And now here we are. And now we're here. You put it off. I put it off. You put it off. We're tackling it now, though. put it off. It's an hour later, Ben. Good recall. Good callback. I think I really struggle with, with like what's important, like prioritizing, mm. you know, it's, um, I, I still have other things that I'm doing outside of just my broadcasting stuff. So my inbox and my email will get filled. And I'm one of those guys, like my wife can look at her phone and have 1000 emails in her, you know, 1000 in her, in her inbox, right? That stresses the shit out of me. Right. I want to be at inbox zero all the time. Me as well. Yeah. Um, so when I see like it creeping up to like 50, 60, 100, I'm like, God damn it. Like, all right, I, I got to like I got to carve out some time even just to filter. You know, it's not all of it's important. A lot of it's just junk or whatever. But like there's some stuff in there like, all right, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. So like when I think about my day tomorrow, OK, I'll get up. Maybe I'll get up a little extra early and I'll just hammer out those emails that are not pertaining to like the game or a Vikings game or whatever. I'll get those things done. And inevitably like something else comes in and I got to do this and then I got to do that. And then you guys know that like, oh, I, all I got to do is scan that document in. Oh, my fucking scanner goes down. Like it's like, oh, that that's not working. Like things just kind of put everything off. And then like, and so I struggle with just trying to like get caught up in like finding those times to do everything and then there are other times i'm like screw it i'm gonna go take an hour and go work out or you know what i gotta go pick up the backyard because my wife's like getting on me this is like the fourth time she's told me to pick up the backyard like i gotta make time to do this i gotta make time to that so like i get i guess in a roundabout way like balancing everything kids work life wife social all of it like i i I suck at it. I think I just suck at it. I'm not good. I'm not good at it. Yeah. And I'd like to be better. It's it's one of those things where you are probably answering some emails. You probably are knocking those out as you go throughout your day. But because more things come out up throughout your day, or there's a step two to some of those things that you didn't necessarily see in step one, mm-hmm. then it the the pressure almost builds, and it's like, God, am I really like getting anything done here? Yeah, I, I, uh, my boss, like I, we run like the exterior of a building right now and he just took a whole week off and just left me with everything. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah. And it was one of those weeks where it was like, I don't think I got a single thing done this week. And in the grand scheme, I did get a little bit done, but it was in that same instance where my checklist of like emails and all the different things that I had to do on top of what my normal requirements are. It was just like, it just never stopped. It's like, Oh my God. What's yeah. Going on? I, I think in, in everything you add it all up. I don't think I ever feel like I get back to zero or positive. So mm, yes, right. I'm being productive where I'm, I'm going from negative 15 up to negative two. And it's like, well, that should be a win, but it doesn't feel like a win because right. I'm not on the positive side of things. Um, that's the struggle. That's, that's my, that's the one thing that I wish I was, better at every day well that might be your average quality but the next question is what's in your back pocket and this is when pressure becomes stress and anxiety's rising this is what you utilize in your back pocket to overcome these situations it could be a habit an emotion or it could be something physically you carry around in your back mm. pocket so what's in your back pocket Ben? 
Uh, that's such a good question. I love how you kind of bring that all full circle to you. name of your podcast and all that stuff. Hey, um, so I, I would say, um, I, I just talk to myself mentally and I basically, I'm not just saying this because to be, um, to be bold or, or whatever. Um, I'll tell myself, stop being a pussy. Straight up, straight up. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like something will happen, a stressful situation, whatever, and it seems like really overwhelming. And I'll, in times where like I can like reflect and like think about how am I going to accomplish this or how am I going to get through this? Um, in the end, I'll just say like, stop being a pussy. Like, just fucking do it. Like, stop being a pussy. You're being a pussy right now. Like, I will say that to myself. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, okay, all right, I'll do it. Do it, I'll get up. Get out of my head, you know? And so then I'll just That's do awesome. it. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck it, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, you fall on your face and or you you, yeah. you piss someone else off and stop being a pussy. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, uh, I'll i share the story. Um, I don't think Leslie Frazier uh, liked my speech one time to our defense. He asked me to, he asked me to talk to our defense. We weren't playing great and we were kind of the end of the season and, I think everybody could kind of feel the energy just kind of like, you know, waning. And he's like, hey, would you dress the team, the defense? Uh, this was the night before one of the games. And I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And so I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to, no idea what I was going to say, right? So I just kind of took that same attitude. And, and you know, we were a team at the time that was, um, I, I think that we were trying to do a lot. Like we were getting, guys in meetings were just getting harped on for just like technique mistakes and, and alignment mistakes. And of course, all as you guys know, those are all important, but you know, we still weren't just, we just weren't making enough plays. And so my, my theme was I went up there, I said, guys, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that. And we're, you know, we've got coaches and I'm like pointing to the coach. We got coaches harping on us about this. I said, who gives a fuck? Seriously. I said, let's go out tomorrow. And each one of you, Say, fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it all. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you make a mistake. Doesn't matter if you have the wrong alignment. Fucking just play. Let's let's worry about if we're going to get yelled at. Let's worry about wins and losses on Monday. But when we go out tomorrow, I want you guys to take the attitude and just say, fuck it. Let's go. Let's have fun. Let's play football. So that was like my attitude. And and, and and the funny thing is, like Frazier, who's this very you know you guys probably even know, very yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. guy. Oh okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Fuck I got <laughs> I got done, and his eyes were like saucers. He's like, his response probably was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> I asked you to get up and address the team, and this is what you told them? You said fuck it. Yeah." <laughs> That so that was my so he kind of caught me into a in a, a little bit of a corner because like I wasn't prepared to give a, a speech that night, um, but that's kind of like what goes through my head sometimes because even one of my biggest things is I can I can overanalyze things like I can probably if you ask me to to take a situation I will try to break it down and like overanalyze it. Um, the games I played the best in is when I just said fuck it, like I know it, I prepared all week. I'm I'm confident in what I know and what I don't know. And I know, I think I know enough. I think I'm comfortable with our scheme. I'm comfortable with what we're going to see. Th- just fuck it. Go out and play. And that's when I would just like play my best games. 
And so I've kind of taken that mantra of like saying like when I feel stressed and I feel like I need to relax my shoulders, I just like take a deep breath, physically pull my shoulders down and say, stop being a pussy. Let's go. Dude, I love that. It's it's so simple. Like it's it just brings you back to the action and the simplicity of like what you're you're meant to do in that situation, in that moment. And it's just like go. Yeah. Like you you're you're given all these talents, you've worked this hard, you've studied, you've prepared, you you know everything. It's like light the fire. You like your your fuel tank of confidence is full. Right. Light it. Well, I'm sure you guys have had coaches tell you to just to play free. Like, yeah. especially as defensive players. Like the best thing that you can tell a defensive player is to go play free. Play mentally free and just go play with instinct. But it's a it is a double edged sword because they give you all these things to think about. They give you all these tendencies that the offense is going to give you and they want you to play smart. So where's that balance of playing smart and playing free? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think in the end, if you, if you do prepare enough and that's where the preparation comes in for the, you know, five or six days before the game, if you prepare enough and it's in the back of your head, if you go and play free, that stuff's just going to be instinctful and and you're going to play much more free. And so, Again, I think it's, you know, for me, even doing my job is like I, I try to bust my ass during the course of the week to to be as prepared as I can for a game. And then once the game starts, just close my eyes and just say, like, let's go, like, let it go. Like, who cares if you make a Who cares if you make a grammatical mistake or a, a verbal mistake? Or who cares if you say a player's name wrong? Like, you'll get it like just you'll get it right the next time. Like. You know, I've telestrated the wrong thing before. I've circled the guy the wrong thing before. Like I've drawn things on the telestrator that that was that was wrong. And if if I chew on that and let that bring me down, then I'm going to make another analytical mistake on the next play. So it's like realize you made a mistake and just move on, move on, make up for it. You'll have other opportunities. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that story. That's awesome, and you know. For us, we challenge ourselves every day to kind of just stay in the moment and appreciate what we're doing because I myself am horrible at getting my point across and I will stumble over my words. I will go left when I want to head straight and I won't get to my point and then I'll like look at my guest and be like, all right, do you know what you want to say now? <laughs> I don't think you've done that tonight. Okay, thank you. Uh, this, has been, this has been an all-star podcast, but yeah. like similar to Andrew, like um, I just like I was thinking about this today and it was uh, – the, the elevator pitch of like what this podcast is. Yeah. And I was just like, it was like one of those like, fuck it. Like, just don't be pussy. Just like say what it is. And I'm like, all I, like, all I want to do is interview people that are doing great things and are cool. And I'm curious in, and I want to make them as relatable as they possibly can be to the people listening so they can grab those great things that are relatable, put them in their back pocket and then go be great. Right. And I was like, that's the best pitch. That's the best thing I've ever thought of in my own little head. Right. Ever. And it was all because of just like constantly over and over, just like over explaining myself and just like leaving guests, potential listeners, my mom, dad in hysteria because they're like, what are you doing? It's been two and a half years. We have no idea what this is. And I barely know what it is. I just know what I like to do. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's half the battle is articulating our thoughts. You're doing it to an audience all the time. Um, but we do it by having another guest on and telling their story. So I'm curious if you have someone that you believe we should go out there and try to have on our show that you'd be, a, that would be a great fit. It's a challenge question that kind of feeds our guest 
uh, generator, and we we find our next story through our guest. So, Ben, is there someone out there that you want to see on the back pocket? Um, have you had Joe Mauer on? We have not. Well, that's good. That's a good one. Okay. And the only reason I bring that guy up is because he's sort of personality-wise shrouded in mystery. He mm. does. I, I don't think that he ever really lets his hair down. Okay. You know, he, he if he does an interview on TV, it's very soft-spoken. It's very company line. It's not going to get anybody in trouble. Um, and I don't mean this. I, this is going to come off as a as an insult, but like it, it's sort of Ned Flanders ish. Mm. You know. Mm. It's just like, okay, okie dokie dokie. Like, we're just playing baseball here, and I'm just happy to be in the Twin Cities. Like, I, I kind of want him to hear a swear word. Like, I, I, I want you guys to get him on here, throw some Douglas and Todd down his throat, and, like, get him to, like, relax. And, like, I want to know if, like, he's a... I've heard... The thing is, I've heard through the guys in the clubhouse mutual people that that i've been around they're like no he's a dude like he's an absolute dude like he's great like he's super into hip-hop and like all like he's a dude but like he doesn't show that he's a dude Mm. this is awesome we have not i'm so surprised that we have not been challenged with joe mauer yet yeah so this is this is a great step in the direction we're trying to dominate the sandbox with the sandbox being the twin cities yeah and i mean joe's at the top of that list he is a homegrown boy creighton durham and uh, two guys that have no business being here in the Twin Cities, uh, yeah. Denver guy and Chicago guy. We are we're making our ways through it, and Joe is definitely a pit stop along the way. That couldn't he could be the finish line almost where we can say we have we dominated, dominated the sandbox. Yeah, no, that would be that's so funny. I, I didn't even think of having Joe Mauer. I know we're, we're knuckleheads. <laughs> so let me ask you: You guys have up there saying of the month? How long is that actually? Up there? <laughs> February, February of this year. <laughs> <laughs> we never changed it. <laughs> it was just too good. We're like, oh yeah, this is great. This is a great way to start the year. We just never yeah. changed it. <laughs> Probably just a like saying of 2019. Yeah, no, that's yeah, what it. That's what's graduated. We, we to. pointed to it probably about 80 percent of the podcasts. Yeah, no one's ever called us out on that until now. So yeah, hell yeah, Ben, I love that. Thank you. Uh, but before we open up the podcast to let you ask us questions, we got to give the stage to our uh, our trusty producer intern Ty. Ty, you got any questions for uh, young Ben here? You have a few. So. Ooh. I started Adam Dillon in both fantasy leagues last week, and I can't help but notice he was listed as active and then sat with a hat on the sideline the entire weekend. Uh, could you explain why I lost in one of my fantasy leagues because Adam Dillon didn't play? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He was clear. <laughs> he was clear. I know hamstring injuries are, like, nagging, but he was – Yeah. You put on the shoulder pads once you get out there, you know? I know. It's. It seems like you, – have you guys all dealt with hamstring injuries? Yes. I yeah. tore my hamstring senior year in track, actually. Did you really? <laughs> Before I was going to go play D3 football, I, to- I tore my hamstring yeah. going against the fastest kid in the state. And I, it's brutal, it's isn't brutal. it? It's brutal, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Full circle, dude. What yeah. a callback. Yeah. You know, it, it is one of those tricky things that um, with hamstring injuries, when you go through a hamstring injury, um, there's going to be a point in time where the, where the trainers are going to ask you, how do you feel? And you're going to be going through all the workouts, all the all the stuff, all the strengthening stuff, all the therapy. And you're going to be like, I feel great. And the trainers usually say, cool, I'll see you in two weeks. Because hamstrings are going to feel good 
And, and it might even respond. I'm sure he went through practice and he did go. I watched him go through pregame and he was doing some cuts and doing some stuff. But um, as you guys know, once you get into a game, it's a whole different it's a whole different twitch. It's a whole different. You're asking your muscles to respond in a way that you cannot replicate in practice. You can't. You just can't. Um, and I think that's what happened as he got out there and uh, he was pushing his body in game speed and thought. I can't risk this. Like it, it, it probably just tightened up on him or he felt it like get a little weak and he did not want to pop that thing again. So unfortunately for your precious, uh, fantasy football, um, <laughs> yeah. So precious over there. So precious. Um, it's, you may have to sit him for another week, yeah. at least another or, week or two. Cause the or hamstrings two. are tender, man. Right. When you open those things tr- up, I don't trust him. And Matt Barry's going to tell you every week that he's feeling great. He had a couple great, I good week days of practice. I didn't like the Vikings. But I was stoked. Okay. So my other question is better awesome. be better. It's, it'll be fine. Okay. So I go to the university of Minnesota um, and we can apply, we can apply this to like coaches at broad. But so me and my friends are having this discussion about PJ Fleck mm-hmm. and you've probably been following since they've obviously been having a great year and you're in the area, but we like for PJ Fleck specifically, we, we wanted to, we were discussing whether he was a good motivator or actually like a good X's and O's guy. And I guess like that question to coaches more broadly, like a head coach, do they have to be a better motivator or do they have to be a better X's and O's guy? Is that the same thing for, every coach how do they no, you know how do they no. go about like commanding respect because i feel like for pj fleck he just goes in there drops a great highlight tape you know that i can retweet on twitter but then you know maybe he's pretty average x's and o's wise yeah i don't know what he's like x's and o's wise but i to, but being around some of the head coaches i've been around and and knowing the the success of some head coaches <laughs> you have to be a great recruiter and you have to be a guy that can be um a great organizer and, uh, and of course you have to motivate the players and you have to motivate your coaches. That's the other part of it. You have to motivate your assistant coaches as much as you would motivate your players. And you have to challenge your assistant coaches as much as you challenge your players. And, um, I think PJ has done a great job of doing that, um, amongst uh, facing a ton of critical analysis from people, you know, hammering his style and his culture and stuff. So, um, he's had tremendously thick skin through it all. Um, so I don't know if he is a great X's and O's guy, but I know a head coach has to have those other attributes. And if you hire good coaches, you don't have to know all the X's and O's, you know, you can be CEO guy, make sure everybody's taken care of, make sure everybody's happy. You give your coordinators the resources they need. You give them players that they want and, and let those guys go out there and develop the players. Um, so yeah, I've seen it both ways, but you don't have to be an X's and O's guy. Have you seen one be more successful than the other? Because I feel like when you think of the historically good coaches or the ones you have in the league right now, like obviously Bill Belichick or even if you want to come to like Mike Zimmer, who's had some success, like they seem just yeah. very like stoic and they don't seem like they really rile up a locker room the same way. Yeah, but way. that's the NFL though. That's yeah, totally NFL, different. Right. Well, maybe college. it's not the, you know, maybe it's not the same thing. I don't know. NFL is different. You mm-hmm. know, Saban's an X's and O's guy. Um, of course, you know, he's, he's an anomaly because he, his reputation precedes him. Like a lot of sort of older successful coaches that they don't have to like have any fancy schmancy motivators. He just tells the guys, you either do the shit or you don't like, mm-hmm. you think you're a five-star going to come in here and compete against this other five-star just cause you're a five-star. Like I'm not, we've got five stars stacked on top of five stars. Like. You either play or you perform or you don't. And I wish 
I wish more coaches could do that, but more, you know, a lot of coaches can't, you know, like you're, you're not, you can't just come in here and be like, all right, perform, you know, people aren't wired like by and large, people aren't wired like that. But when he sets a tone and he sets a reputation um, and everybody knows that like, you've got to like, he he's he's the the emperor you know <laughs> you yeah. you got to come in and you got to perform you you know what you're getting yourself into um so he doesn't have to do any raw raw motivating speeches he's just like you gonna play or not um so and i think nfl is a lot different than college too. right well and another thing too um you mentioned like the five stars and like how it's just kind of bottomless at at alabama what do you think of the new uh news coming out that players are going to start getting paid for their likeness uh i'm cool with it yeah yeah i'm cool with it um i think there needs to be some sort of i think there's needs some sort of escrow program put in um you know this is not a new a new take you know i've heard other people say this but it's one it's one that i subscribe to a little bit more sure if you're um you know the the if you're baker mayfield you know back when he was at oklahoma and you've got all these big oil monies that and in Norman, Oklahoma, and you've got, there's a lot of money in, in Norman and in Oklahoma city and, and just bo- boosters in general. He's a guy that let's say that he could have made a hundred thousand dollars in his college career. Now, do I subscribe to the fact that a, a 20, 21 year old should be walking around um, on a college campus with a hundred thousand dollars? And no, but I, I think that he should be able to take 10 or 20% of that and do whatever he wants with it. And the rest of it is somehow in a in a legal way um, put in an escrow account that says, you know, once you're once you satisfied your eligibility, you can have this money. Mm. Um, that's how I've looked at it as well. And I mean, that's again, that's not a new idea. Yeah, but not that's a new idea. Easily the not easily, but definitely the most the most realistic way to keep the authenticity of college sports. The mm-hmm. Zion Williamson's can come in at Duke, dominate, not be walking around with the Royals Royce and um, Gucci the whole time at Duke, and then leave, go to the NBA, and get what he deserved because right. he made so much money for this. Right. Because you guys know how it is. If if um, you know, if your star quarterback comes in and all of a sudden he's rolling with a Rolex and Gucci shoes and all this other stuff, you know, guys will just look at him sideways. You know, guys, yeah. you'll, you'll start to lose that that edge and that leadership, I think, ability. And, and, you know, imagine just how much it changes you as an, as an 18, 19 year old to be given all of that. Um, and then you got to go out, you got to ask that guy to go out and lead this team. Like it's just, it's too hard. It's too much on these kids, yeah. you know? So, you know, take care of them. Sure. If he wants to go and do a signing somewhere, they want to put his face on a billboard of a car dealer and he's going to make $10,000. Well, you know, take eight of that thousand and put it in an escrow account. You can have that when you when you leave. Right. Awesome. Well, uh, we like to open up this time during the podcast to ask us questions. We've been hammering you with questions for now about an hour fifteen, yeah. uh, an hour and a half maybe. <laughs> we don't. Time we don't flies really when we right. have uh, Douglas and uh, Todd. Douglas and Todd. Douglas yeah, and Todd. This this is kind of like a. This is kind of like Joe Rogan's podcast. We're just go, we're just going and going and going. All right, right. exactly. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I love that you gave us that comparison because he's my idol. <laughs> you got to you got to eat elk. Are you eating elk? You got to get on your elk steaks. I, I got to start killing and eating what I can. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, you got to go all in. You yeah, know? he's the best. All right. Who are you guys' inspirations outside of Joe? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I just read Shoe Dog. Oh yeah. Okay, never heard of it. Uh, oh Phil, really? Phil Knight. 
is the oh, okay. founder yep. of Nike, mm-hmm. his book, Shoe Dog. And, I mean, just hearing his story of Nike and how he started, I mean, it took him 15 years before from the from, from the moment that he went and started selling shoes for this company called Tiger and then Blue Ribbon. Blue yeah. Ribbon. That's the company he started. Yeah. It was a crazy story and it was just a rooted in grit and perseverance. Yeah. Um, that and then Oprah Winfrey from her standpoint of how she can, she's built a foundation of putting a stamp on something and, and it takes off. And I want this podcast to be for my closest friends. They come on the show when they just start this new company, they come on and it kickstarts their, their journey with some type of foundation. That would be the coolest thing if I and Declan and Ty right here can make this thing happen to where we can bring in our closest friend. They talk about how they started this cool thing and by the, just recording this conversation, they have a, a, a foundation yeah. to There's go like off an of. authenticity backing behind it. Yeah. Like, right. like Douglas and Todd, you know, takes off or Great Duck Vodka, whatever. Like it doesn't right. really matter what it is. It's more about the person. And you find that authenticity through having like a long form of conversation. I'd also say Tim Ferriss too, if you know who that is. Why do I know that name? Um, he wrote the Four Hour Work Week. It's like kind of the entrepreneur bible. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, and I have not read what. So, so explain to me why that is beneficial. So he he talks about this thing. This the concept is called Deal. It's this acronym. Um, it's design your what you want to do. Eliminate the things that aren't a part of that. Automate how you want to do it, and then liberate. Live your life to the fullest. Um, so he, I mean, it's, it's very simple when I say it like that, but he goes through step by step on like how that would be in a business sense, how that'd be in a life sense, emotional sense, you know, mental sense. And it's helped me really clarify and kind of go and really at the end of the day, it goes back to like, Hey, don't be a pussy. Just like, this is, this is how you, you really are successful through just attacking that mindset. Yeah. And through this past year, you know, reading shoe dog or, you know, listening to Joe Rogan or. Um, listening to Tim Ferriss, reading Tim Ferriss, like these guys have all of those mindsets where it's like they have that inner confidence in themselves to just keep going forward with the things that they love to do. Like it. Yeah. And then going off that, all these conversations that we've been able to have um, in 2019, we have now recorded like 115 podcasts, all roughly this long, like an hour long. <laughs> they come up to our studio. The taglines dominate the sandbox. So they're all people in the Twin Cities. We're two guys that don't yeah. belong. In the Saying Twins. of the month. Saying of the Saying month. Of the month. Yes. There you go. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, we've got to learn from all these people's really unique, um, awesome stories about doing what they love and following that 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 journey and we just get to sit here and try to be like a like navigate a, it really. not na- navigate it through it and try not to get too drunk drinking uh Douglas <laughs> Douglas and <laughs> stay coherent that, you know this is this is a pretty high proof bourbon so you might be feeling a little bit i yeah, know it's yeah. great it's phenomenal it's phenomenal for a 10 p.m on a monday but uh any other questions um yeah i have one more football related question okay because a bunch of guys in here yeah, yeah. Ball, meat sticks right? meat sticks, meat football. sticks. Football. Yeah. Yeah. Down right? to Bayou. Go Tigers. Yeah, can you tell? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, when you puffed your chest out, I'm like, oh, he's a, he played played some ball too, right? Yeah. Hey, little Tikes. <laughs> JV starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, do you remember your lowest point of football? And do you remember, and what did you, uh, I'll put it that way, what was your lowest point of football and what did you learn from that point? Mm. My sophomore year in college, Coming off the freshman year, you have like you you feel it out. You're figuring out what's going on. You understand that you're now playing collegiate football. Sophomore year, I had these incredible expectations of myself, really ridiculously freakishly high expectations, as our defense coordinator likes to say. And 
uh, came out of camp, the the 14 days you have to prove to your to prove to your teammates, your coaches, that all the off season training that you did was worthwhile, and I pissed it away. I was in my head. I didn't play free. I didn't know my assignment down so where I was guessing of how I should play man coverage and wasn't wrapping up. I, I'm I make every tackle. That's my go to. And I wasn't making the tackles. I was getting. I was missing the running back when he's rolling out to the flank. Um, and I was heartbroken. I was like, I definitely called my parents at that point. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. This is the too stressful. I can't handle it. I'm not athletic enough. Um, I wanted to give up. And I just, I remember very vividly my dad and my mom both saying just like, Hey, just give it another week. Just keep playing, understand where you are. I know you want to be where you, I know you're not where you want to be, but just try to find the love in it again. And that whole year I was beating my head again. I mean, it was seven months of just like, why the fuck can't you figure it out? Why can't you make that play? And, uh, that was my lowest point for sure. Playing football. And the whole year, I never really found it until we, we made a national championship run that year. And I kind of fell in love being that role player, um, on the scout team, being that, that, that first team scout team safety and going up against the best offense in division three, which was pretty cool to say, like right. I was the scout team safety that was playing against the number one offense in division three against the number one running back every single day, every single day. <laughs> we were both there. Yeah. Was awesome. right. It was the coolest thing. And I started finding that again and, uh, slowly, but surely, um, that transferred over to my junior and senior year where I found the confidence in myself again and the love and the of appreciation for football. And those last two years, I'm so fucking thankful that my parents and my teammates like Declan and many others were there with me just being like, hey, let's have some fun today. Let's go yeah. out there and hit someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah good for you for sticking it out because yeah. it's tough. It's emotionally tough. It's emotionally, it's it's depressing. It's uh, it's hard, man. So good for you. Yeah, thank you. you. Um. Very similar. I was it was the next year, so I had a little bit different of a path in in college where I did not make the um, I did not make camp my freshman year. Came, had a really good camp or a spring camp my uh, sophomore year, thinking I was going to make it into my uh, sophomore year camp in the fall, and didn't make it then again. So I'm coming back in again into my junior year, thinking like, okay, like again another pretty good spring camp, like. They moved me to inside. I feel much better at this position and uh, didn't make it again. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, I'm pretty much the worst player. (laughs) I, you know, this, they clearly don't value me at this point by the time I'm a junior. And like every year I'd go home in the summer and I would have to, you know, I'd be working my internship and then. You know, coach would call me sometime in July and tell me I wouldn't make camp. And so having to go through that over and over again was just the worst. But one thing that, like, really turned it around was we went uh, 4th of July every year. I'd come out here because 4th of July in Minnesota is just phenomenal. Yes. yes. And uh, I came out here and I, I, uh, we went cliff jumping at the, the quarries. And it yeah. was the first time I had seen Andrew and, like, all my teammates. And I, like, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm not not coming to camp again this year and uh i think andrew was like the first one i told and andrew shows me his wristband and it's 90 percent of the things happen to you 10 percent of it's how you respond or like 90 percent. what what is the 10 like percent is what happened to you 90 percent how's you react there you go yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. all the way around yeah, but way, yeah lou holtz you get the you get the point and ever since really that like 
moment of like realization. It was just like, you know, it is what it is. It, and I love the game. I, I, I always told myself like I never quit because walking back from school, like walking back from class at two thirty, not walking onto that field at three, like I that would rip my heart out. Right. Um, and that's when I just had like a mindset shift of like it's really not about me. This never was about me. Right. This is about this this team that I'm so blessed to be a part of and that it makes me a better person every single day. Challenges me in so many different ways that I never right. would have been challenged. And ever since that's, that moment, really, I've just lived that 90% out as far as I possibly can. So you guys are obviously in a bachelor pad with five guys. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to guess you have no kids that you know of. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, when you do have kids... I get asked this question all the time, but you guys obviously have very similar stories to a lot of, of us where you go through a lot of self doubt and a lot of self talk and you got to figure out like you're going through your journey that football helped you go through and you find value in that. Will you let your boys play football? hundred percent. Yeah. If they want to play, I'll never, I, I want to be that dad that doesn't push them towards it. I don't know if I can be, but that's like the intention <laughs> behind it. But even with all the, things that are behind it uh all the negatives with injuries and stuff i just believe in the team sport and the camaraderie yeah. behind it yeah yeah uh, sure if they want to play i mean i play lacrosse too that's a good alternative but yeah i mean it's still i mean football so, so okay so let, let me so let me ask you that then i didn't play lacrosse lacrosse yeah. is a new sport to me i think it's a it's a cool sport i mean it's very it's a it's kind of like football and the physical aspect of it but um i think football is the best team sport that you could ever play you played both. What challenged you more and what what life lesson did you get out of more comparatively in the sport? I would say football. Yeah. I, I mean, I played it longer, went through much more competitive aspects of it. And, you know, ultimately, I think the game in general is just it, there's a reason you said that. It's like the game and the way it's set up and how finite it is and how violent and you know, how much mental capacity you need behind it. Like that, there's a reason why football is the best team sport. Yeah. And you, you really can't replace it or take anything away from it and, or really even compare because there's all kinds of great stuff about lacrosse that we aren't even talking about on this podcast. Um, and I, again, just backs that same sport or backs that same point of football, man. Yeah. Real, yeah. real quick. I believe that there's no comparison with football because of the amount of, um, discipline you have to have off ball and that is the i believe the only sport where you have to be 100 percent locked in off ball as you are on when you're right in front of the ball um no other not hockey not not lacrosse not soccer you don't not there you can be lazy at for a brief moment you can definitely take a moment and breathe while the action is happening um in football you can't and that's why i believe that's the best team sport yeah I love that because you guys didn't hesitate when I asked that question. You're like, you guys are both shaking hands like, yeah, absolutely. When I let it, my, my kids play football. Mm -hmm. We're both third generation uh, football, college football players. Yeah. So we can extend that farther. Yeah. That a little, yeah. A little, there's a little bit of influence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I, but you know, there's, it's a real thing. It's a real yeah. thing in America yeah. where the numbers of high school um, football players are going down and not in you know, high school, but you know, that's trickling all down to youth and, I'm not I'm not a huge advocate for like Pop Warner and all that stuff because I think there are are um, I don't think that you have to play tackle football to enjoy the football experience uh, at that age, but when it comes to 
you know, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, you know, seventh grade middle school football. Uh, I know everybody wants to talk about concussions and injuries, but man, the 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 risk reward between high school football uh, and and the things that you teach yourself mentally and emotionally and physically far outweigh any of the the small percentage that you're going to have a traumatic brain injury in high school. That's going to that's going to like be detrimental to you later in life. And I know that there's like science that they're, they're going through all that other stuff, but man, high school football is the best, yeah. you know, it's, it's so fun. It's and the purest football out there. It's, yeah. it's, it's so fun. And, and I think that it teaches, even at that level, it teaches kids oh, a sense of work ethic and a sense of um, pride in themselves that you can't get in other sports. Yeah. And, um, it's great. I mean, it's it's the most unique sport on the planet because we're not ge- nobody's geared to like go and hit people. You know, that's not like what we're supposed to do. You know, a, a bat and a ball, sure, like that's easy. Like you can learn how to swing a bat at a ball. It's not you know? easy, but it's no, no, no. I'm saying, you, know, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah, no, no, I got but, no train. But to will your body to go slam it into somebody else, and then do it repeatedly. Yeah, that takes discipline. That like takes mental discipline to do that, and that serves. I think that serves a bigger purpose than just, uh, you know, than just the high school years. Like that, you can take that attitude and that and that ability to push your body in ways that you never knew, and push past boundaries and in li- labels and and uh, and and places that you didn't ever think that you could go um, mentally and emotionally. Even just the four years of high school can do that to you. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well said, Ben. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with this final question. Absolutely. Uh, what did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to more having this conversation? Who? It's been a long day. It's been a long day. It's, uh, 10 15 and we've, uh, my, I haven't set my, uh, clock back. So it says 11 15. I was, that scares me. I frightened. Yeah. I got scared for a yeah. second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I learned today is something pretty innocent. And the fact that I went into the weekend, very tired, very fatigued. Um, had a long week, did not realize the week of Halloween was going to crush my wife and I as much as it did. Um, Got on my travels this weekend to Texas and then off to Kansas City, home last night, up at 6 a.m. today to go on the radio show and still going strong with you guys. Um, Damn. I learned that uh, I wasn't as tired as I thought I was going to be. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, I I, I got some sleep, I guess, uh, somewhere in the weekend, and it's it's serving me well. Yeah, well, I I really just think, I mean, not only is that a testament to you, but, like, how grateful that I, like, we are to, you know, have you be up at 6 a.m. after the whole weekend that you had since Halloween and, you know, taking an 8.30 p.m. podcast with a couple dudes in a, in a frat house. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's awesome, man. I really appreciate the time you spent with us. Like, No problem. That's awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for adjusting your guys' schedules, too. Absolutely. Uh, that's a wrap here on the Back Pocket Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks.
She says, I'm gonna have to try and catch her now before she's gone.